The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It is Monday morning. It's Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Kept it simple and then yet at the same time kept it extraordinarily complicated by putting my last name in there. That's the way it is. That's the way it's sticking. Hoop-ball.com is the website, our benevolent overlords, HoopBall. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy, and you should because it's a damn news feed. Get all your fantasy information in one spot by following at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. Tell them Dan sent you, and nobody will care. Not one person. Not a single one. I will. I'll care. Good news this morning, everybody. Kristaps Porzingis makes his return tonight, presumably not for a ton of minutes, as the Mavericks, who desperately need warm bodies right now, get their superstar center back into the mix. Kristaps Porzingis back tonight against the Pelicans. The Mavs currently a uh, three-point favorite. A little surprised that that number didn't move up. But maybe it will. We'll see. We'll see the way the action's coming in on that game. Porzingis, I would assume, off of pretty significant knee surgery, will probably play about 12 to 15 minutes in his first game back. So don't get too crazy. But that one, somehow, amazingly, the Porzingis stash seems like it's working out better than some of the others. I think we all assumed he was going to be the last one back from all of these starting-the-year hurt list guys. Meanwhile, TJ Warren started the year healthy and then got hurt. And JJJ, we haven't a clue what's going on with that dude, but maybe someday. So welcome back, Kristaps Porzingis. Excited to see that really as not like next week, sort of, but maybe the week after that, you start to see him really get back into the full swing of things. But luckily for those of you that that did stat, oh, Kemba on that list also. I think he's back at practice in some capacity, so he's not too far away. Also on that list of guys hurt to start the year. Uh, but with Porzingis, the, the beauty there is that he doesn't need 30 minutes to be fantasy relevant. He does enough stuff, blocks, threes, that uh, rebounding that ordeal. And so all of our hunting for front court stuff in Dallas pretty much goes up in flames here anyway. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday, which for those uninitiated, we look back at the weekend starting with Sunday and moving in reverse order, covering each team's most recent basketball game. Why do we do this? Well, on Friday, we looked ahead to the weekend to see if we could find anything of note to sort of keep an eye on with the upcoming games. And now we look back on those same ball games and say, well, what really did happen? How do we reset ourselves for the week ahead? It's a really good exercise for me. And I know that as I go through all of this stuff, preparing for the podcast, it resets my own brain. I'm pretty well locked in over the weekends this this year anyways, largely because I'm betting on these games so much again after sort of betting intermittently the last few years. Once you're handicapping, you really you just can't afford to miss a game at all or you sort of lose feel for the NBA. It's very easy to lose feel. That's been good for me on the fantasy side as well because I just I don't have days where I'm not really paying attention. 
And let's be honest, we all have those days. So that's why the reverse chronological lightning round Monday makes a lot of sense. We'll get ourselves locked back in, make sure we didn't miss anything that happened over the weekend, and then roll on to a week from there. We'll also preview the Monday card. Not a uh, not a super compelling list of games tonight, but there are eight of them, so something's bound to happen, so we'll get ourselves prepared for that, both on the betting and fantasy side. We dive in immediately with our reverse chronological lightning round. A lot of stuff to cover, so let's jump straight in to Sunday's morning game. For those of us here on the Pacific Coast, I think it was actually I think it was noon Pacific time, so it wasn't really the morning. Utah beat Detroit by 10 and the final score, I guess, doesn't really matter all that much. Very low-scoring, ugly ball game. Detroit shot 33%, and somehow actually had a shot late in this thing. Jeremy Grant shot 47%. His teammates were really, really bad. Grant, 28-4-4. and He's been a revelation so far this year. Just ride it out. He's a little bit of a sell-high, but also at the same time, he's just... He's going to take a truckload of shots, and the only real fear here is can his body handle the rigors of a full season playing max starter minutes and just going usage bananas every day. Royce O'Neal had a zero-point performance, but has somehow solidified himself as a very interesting punt points type of guy. On the Detroit side, which is the side we were really paying close attention to into this game, Mason Plumley his minutes back up to 26, so I don't think you have anything really to worry about there. He also fouled out of this game, or it probably could have been more. With no Killian Hayes and no Derrick Rose, the uh, the Pistons had no choice but to run DeLon right out there for 36 minutes. He is a very low-usage guy. Six points, five boards, three assists, two steals, one block. If he makes a couple of his shots, it's actually a really damn good ball game. Right now, he's pretty much a must-start guy because almost anyone in the NBA playing 36 minutes is going to do something. And with Wright, you, you, know, you hope that a few of those shots go down but he's just such a nine-cat roto type of dude that in that amount of time on a basketball court, you have no choice. You have to start him. Clippers barely, barely beat the Chicago Bulls. That was the other midday game. Kawhi Leonard, monster performance, especially the third quarter. I believe he had a career-high 21 third-quarter points on his way to 35 for the ball game. Lou Williams woke up, but still only played 24 minutes, which makes him not a nine-category guy. Nick Batum had... Seven cash stats, two threes, four steals, one block. But uh, Marcus Morris is slowly coming for his minutes. There's going to be a squeeze at some point, especially when Batum is has a usage rate of seven. There's just stuff here that's not sustainable. You know, five defensive stats being the most important one. So get ready with a backup option there because it's coming. Patrick Beverly's actually not been terrible lately. A three-pointer, three blocks. He's also kind of your punt points type of dude. If he eats Zubats, it's a drop. Oh, well. We had an eye on it. It was a watch thing to see if those guys were going to split the minutes, how that was going to work out. Well, they're going somewhat small sometimes. You know, five, six minutes a game, they go small. Serge Ibaka seems to have won the center battle the rest of the time. On the Chicago side, Otto Porters missed the last game and three quarters with back spasms which makes Patrick Williams a useful guy in the short term. I think the Bulls will probably get Lowry Markinen back as they now head home from their road trip. I don't think they just... I, I, he was in quarantine. I think they felt like it would be insane to fly him across the country. He probably could have played in this ballgame on Sunday morning. But, what you know, what really was the point there? So I think they'll be getting some pieces back. Thad Young's going to play a lot less. Uh, Garrett Temple 
who's been playing a ton. He may have jumped over a few guys, so it might be Denzel Valentine who gets sort of squeezed out a little bit. And uh, we'll see how they work their pieces back together. But pretty sure Otto Porter gets his minutes back when he when the back spasms go away. He was playing really well prior to that, you know, half a quarter he played and then missing a ball game. Zach Levine, 45-7-7 in this one. He's been red hot lately, just uh, blasting his way up the rank. He's now number 24 in nine category leagues. And maybe, maybe I should have been a little higher on Levine because he was pretty damn good last year under Jim Boylan. And it takes quite a heavy lift to be good under Jim Boylan. That's a, it's a notable thing. It's a notable thing to be good under Jim Boylan because if you can do that, then you can be pretty damn good under anybody else. Rumbling along to the next one because we got a long way to go. Oklahoma City winners in Brooklyn behind a whopper of a game from Hamadou Diallo, who does have pretty interesting fantasy capabilities, but I don't think we can expect this on a night-to-night basis. He got hot. Lugans Dort saw extra bench time while Hamadou was rolling, and that will, if anything now, potentially flip back and forth. Darius Baisley uh, also had some issues keeping his numbers up in this game. Baisley is number 106 in nine category leagues. Lugens Dort is number 138. This was sort of the fear there. I still think Dort belongs on fantasy teams because his, in general here, his his opportunity is pretty high. I know he did get outplayed in this ball game, but he's seeing a, a big bump in minutes this year. He's up to 28 per ball game. We just sort of don't know what translates over, and it's starting to look like he's a guy that plays great defense without getting defensive stats. So keep that in the back of your mind. George Hill was solid, if unspectacular, which may be the George Hill story at this point. He's still number 87 in nine category leagues right now, thanks to 49% shooting from the field, 83 at the free throw line, over a steal, three and a half assists, two three pointers. He just does a handful of little interesting things every ball game. He's not super exciting in the. Uh, in the head-to-head realm, but he has been more than useful to this point in Roto. I mean, number 87 is a guy that should be started all season long. I know he had a, sort of a down ball game in their win at New York, and his, uh, the game in Miami, the loss was a down ball game, but in between those, he's been solid. The threes are there, the steals are there, the assists are okay. He should generally be on fantasy teams. And the thing about head-to-head is that I know a lot of us just are like, well, you know what, I'm going to punt turnovers. But you don't have to punt them. You don't have to hard punt them. Like, you don't have to try to actively lose them. You could get a guy who's just kind of efficient and plug him in there as your last dude, which you probably should. Funny thing about uh, George Hill is that as, as solid as he's been, he's still not particularly heavily rostered at this point. He should be. He should be. Ah, well. Uh, Shea coming around. 31-6-7. Two steals, a block, two three-pointers. Good efficiency there. We knew it was going to happen. We knew there was going to be an adjustment period. But he is rocket blasting his way up the charts right now. He is at number 44 and climbing. So hopefully, not that there was really ever a buy-low window. Like, no one was going to part with Shea with as much as they had to spend on draft day to get him. But... Paying off here quick. Kevin Durant came back for the Nets at 36-11. and 11. He'll do a lot until Kyrie Irving comes back, which we still don't know exactly when that'll be, but my guess is 
relatively soon now. I think he's missed the last three games in a row. Jared Allen, full-scale center minutes at this point, so he's locked into a massive role going forward. And then I don't know how you trust many other dudes on this team. Joe Harris has been above the cut line, but even he's sort of bounced between really good ball games and ones like this that are, you know, relatively mediocre. But he's he's a must-start guy. I, I mean, the only way you wouldn't need him is if you were so overblown in threes that they're just wasn't a desire for it. Denver blew out New York. This was interesting because the Nuggets had been kind of a floating along type of basketball team, but for some reason playing in Madison Square Garden, even without fans, woke them up a little bit. Uh, and they played great defense. Held the Knicks to 43% shooting and only 89 points. And Denver shot 54%. And Denver offensively is always going to be really good because Jokic can get uh, a high percentage look anytime he wants. And he's going to get other people involved. Although in this one, they he almost didn't need to. Like, they really passed the wealth around in this ballgame. Jamal Murray was not very good. Will Barton was not very good. Gary Harris was actually decent for the third game in a row. And I don't think I'm ready to take this seriously yet. But um, he's actually been, I mean, the last three games, he's been inside the top 100. Jermichael Green... You know, he puts up numbers pretty quick. He and Paul Millsap splitting time. This is a blowout, too, so you can kind of dump it, but there's always some reason to dig in a little bit. For the Knicks, Julius Randle, another big ball game. For old sweet Julius, who ruined my fantasy teams last year, but somehow is number 51 this season so far. Just, you know, ride it till the wheels come off, and they will because he's playing 38 minutes of ball game. Not that is not sustainable. Mitchell Robinson, 34 more minutes, 11 and 5, a steal and a block. He had a rough go of it in dealing with Nikola Jokic just from a can I rack up defensive stats standpoint. But he did go perfect five for five from the field, and that's part of why you got Mitchell Robinson, who is currently where the hell are you, Mitch? 42. 42. And I still believe trending up. Because he's shooting 46% at the free throw line. And he's still under two blocks a game. I think both of those trend up. Alfred Payton, 32 minutes. He's still a must-own guy, although I continue to hate his fantasy game. He did it finally get a steal in this ball game, which has been kind of weird for him. Nerdland Zoel came back from his twisted ankle, had a .4 rebounds and no defensive stats, and he, unfortunately, is a drop. Because if Mitch Robb is playing maximum center minutes, there just isn't enough there for New Orleans Noel anymore. Just not enough left. As our good friend, our founder, Aaron Bruski likes to say, just not enough meat on the bone. Not enough meat on the bone. Oh, well, that's a pisser, because that was a, a draft pick. That was an eighth, ninth riding guy this year. You had to spend a little bit to get to him, and uh, he's he's useless. Lakers woke up in Houston. I don't know if it was Boogie and Markeith Morris getting into a fight or if it was something else, but Anthony Davis was awake for a game Taylor Horton Tucker came off in a blowout and got some juicy statistics, but otherwise, you know, Lakers just sort of ran them right out of the building. Houston side, uh, Boogie looked really good in his eight minutes before getting ejected again. Six points, four boards, a steal, two three-pointers. Like, he, I mean, he's showing us again why he really only needs like 16 minutes to be fantasy relevant. The problem is that the son of a gun just keeps getting tossed. He has two ejections this year already. Get it together, Boogie. We want to see what you're going to do. Christian Wood came back down to earth a little bit in this ballgame. He still looked pretty good. He still looked pretty good. Uh, he's now at number 21, so still way overperforming expectations. 
but I think you're going to start to see a settling process as the grind of an NBA season does uh, wear on things a little bit. James Harden down at number 14 now. His usage is down this year. By design, I don't know. Christian Wood doing more. John Wall doing some. Wall had a rough game, too. The Lakers just beat the hell out of him. But uh, Eric Gordon, horrible. I mean, we knew that was coming. Spurs led all the way through and then fell apart late in this one. They didn't have DeMar DeRozan on the back-to-back. Aldridge did, interestingly, play on the back-to-back. And they just, you know, they shot 38%. Was an ugly ball game. They had him. They had him. Fell apart late. I don't think that I would make any large adjustments because DeMar was out. It's, it's, uh, it might be time. Okay, so I, I got a grain of salt on all of this stuff. Not that many of you had picked up Rudy Gay anyway, but back-to-backs are probably not the best spot for Rudy. He's not going to play big minutes on a back-to-back. He went 17 in the first one, 18 in the second half of the back-to-back. And that was, I believe, uh, he played decent minutes in their first back-to-back back in late December, but I would say this type of thing is a little bit of a red flag and probably a reason to move on. Much as I love his stuff, you just can't trust Rudy Gay playing under 20 minutes a game. So go ahead and move on there. Uh, sorry, Rudy. It was a good. It was a fun week, but we're moving on. Wolves side. Cat sat on the back to back just because he's coming back from his injured wrist. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't get worried there. Malik Beasley played well. Had twenty four points, three boards, no peripheral stats, but uh, good percentages in this ball game. And he's actually shown himself to be a hell of a free throw shooter, which I admit I didn't know was going to be a big part of his fantasy value. But here we are, shooting ninety percent on three free throws a game. He's number seventy nine. He's uh, he's a start guy. D'Angelo Russell's been kind of bad this year, but this is a better ball game, I suppose. And then Ricky Rubio saw 22 minutes off the bench, but really is making a case to play more. I I finally had a chance to watch a couple of Wolves games recently, and you know they were while they were generally ugly. Rubio is far better at getting guys into their offense, less at least in the half court. I mean, honestly, really both. He's good at running the break. D'Angelo Russell just doesn't have the court vision. He's a scorer. He can dribble, so he's going to get assists, so he'll dribble and he'll pass it to somebody. But Rubio's a better, far better passer. So we'll see. I mean, I know that I called him a drop, and I'm still mostly on board that because 22 minutes isn't enough for him. Six assists, three steals is not a sustainable number for Rubio, but he has been a little bit better of late. He's number 145 on the season now. And none of his stuff is all that far off career stuff. Really, at this point, I think the only thing that's super down is shot attempts. Because he's still, you know, the assists are sort of on pace. The steals are kind of on pace. You might be looking at a top 100 best case scenario, which is a useful guy, especially because assists and steals a little hard to come by late in drafts or on the waiver wire. So I get it. I get it. And, you know... Like, specialists are worth something. More of a streamer, I think, in head-to-head. Roto, probably a guy you can squat on to see what happens. That's I think that's probably the best way to put it. Toronto, Golden State ended up being a good ball game despite Steph Curry having his worst game ever. Ever. Two for 16, Steph went in this ballgame, and they won. Figure that one out. Draymond, nearly triple-doubled. He's starting to settle in a little bit now. No other news on the Warriors' side other than Kelly Oubre also remaining ice cold. For the Raptors, Chris Boucher fouled out, but 
but had six blocks in 24 minutes again. He's everywhere right now. Must own, must start. You guys know the drill there. Uh, they started Norman Powell at small forward. They went small in this game, no Aaron Baines. Uh, and it didn't help. Powell's a drop. I When I saw him in the starting lineup, I thought, ooh, this might finally... Nope. They just were a lot better with Chris Boucher at center. And so that ended up running up most of the minutes there. I guess if Powell continues to start at small forward, I would have to believe the minutes do trend up. And so you at least give him a look. But that ball game was not an inspiring one to go on. Turning the clock back to Saturday. But before we do, I do want to remind you guys, and I haven't given enough love to Manscaped.com recently because they've been incredible. They sent me a, a free sample of the shears. It's really neat. It's a little magnetized pouch. Yep, holds itself shut with a little magnet. You can hear the click right here on the, on the microphone. That's the magnet from their little shears kit. It's got a nail scissors. It's got a file in there. What's this little guy? It's got a clipper, of course. That's the, that's the easy one. What's this piece over here on the far right that I haven't even taken out? Oh, it's a pair of tweezers. So it's nail file, scissors, clip, and tweezers. Just this really nice nail kit that... I know that this is a weird thing for me to be pushing on you guys, but as someone who uh, gets a little stressed out and does stuff to his nails, it's been such a nice thing to have just sitting on the right side of my desk. It's only $19.99, and you can get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get over at manscaped.com this fine month of January using promo code HOOPBALL20. So please do check that out. Manscaped.com, the website, promo code HOOPBALL20. Get the shears. 20 bucks with 4 bucks off, I guess is how that works. And free shipping. It's a delightful thing. It's a delightful thing. Get it for yourself. A present from you to you. Saturday. We talked Denver already. They were on a back-to-back. We haven't talked Philly yet. And, you know, this is the story within a story within a story. Because Seth Curry tested positive for COVID late last week. Joel Embiid has, I think, voluntarily isolated. I don't know that they put him into the protocols. I think he just decided he wanted to. And I don't blame him, man. This this ish is crazy. This is scary stuff, man. I like, I get it. Percentage-wise, these players in the NBA will all be fine. But, you know, what about it? Think about a guy like JaVale McGee, who has asthma. I have a good friend. I have a good friend of mine who has asthma and got COVID. From their nanny. And he was in bed for three days. Couldn't do anything. 37-year-old dude. Couldn't do anything. Heart palpitations, arrhythmia, shortness of breath, the whole thing. So, like, there are guys in the NBA that are rightfully scared of this, despite being young, healthy dudes. They're saying Ben Simmons has knee pain. I'm not sure that he doesn't want to just wait until their COVID outbreak is over, too. And I can't blame them. Tobias Harris, I think, is actually officially in the health and safety protocols. I honestly, at this point, I've lost track of which dudes on that team are truly in and which are just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to take a day or two off. So with that in mind, Philadelphia coming up on this whopper of a week. I believe they have five games this week. Tyrese Maxey went for 39 points in 44 minutes of their loss to Denver. Woof. Dakota Mathis played 41 minutes. Isaiah Joe played 45 minutes. Someone is going to literally die on a basketball court from playing this much in a regular season game. I mean, this is brutal for guys that 
have no business playing this many minutes. Danny Green and Dwight Howard, the only recognizable names still out there. Danny Green played 36 minutes and took 17 shots. I know everybody's going to be all over Tyrese Maxey, and they should for streaming purposes. He's going to get a ton of shots. He's going to have a rough one coming up here where the legs are just straight jelly after playing too many minutes. I would actually lean to Danny Green. If that dude's getting 17 shots and playing 36 minutes, he's going to rack up steals, blocks, and three-pointers. So consider a little Danny Green, won't you? Consider Danny. But overall, like, you know, I'm mostly a nine-cap roto games cap kind of guy, and you can squeeze in a streamer every now and then. I'm more apt to leave this situation alone because all of a sudden, their team could just be like, yeah, we're going to go now. We're ready to play. Oh, remember Miami and Boston did get postponed yesterday, too. So we've got the same issue with the Celtics, but we'll uh, we'll get to them in a minute. Miami at Washington on Saturday. Um, they won in a game that was probably too competitive, considering Bradley Beal was out briefly due to COVID protocols because he talked to Jason Tatum after their ball game the day before. Now it sounds like Beal might be able to get out of the COVID protocols because I guess it wasn't 15 minutes of talking. NBA's, uh, and like, so, okay, let me talk about this ball game, and then we'll talk about COVID stuff just a little bit before we talk Phoenix, Indiana. Kelly Olynyk was awesome. 18-6-5, a steal block, four three-pointers. He's a must-start guy as long as he is starting for the Heat. That, I don't know if this is going to stick all year, but if it sticks for a while, it could end up being a really, really fun pickup for us. Because we were all over that one, and early. We were on this one uh, last Monday, before he was even starting. And he's number 62, and, like, a lot of that stuff is sustainable. I don't know, man. Maybe we fall head first into a top 70 pickup, but we shall see. In any event, he's been great, so just keep riding that one there. Everybody put up big numbers in this ballgame, but Olenek was sort of the guy you were watching because he's the one that bounces in and out of relevance. Washington side, if Beal is really back, cool, uh, Denny Avdia then sort of goes back to being more of a situational guy. The bigger story on Washington is that Thomas Bryant blew out his ACL. And the poor dude just cannot stay healthy. He's now out for the season. And there isn't really a clear replacement here. Robin Lopez no longer rebounds. He's gone, the, he's gone to the Brook Lopez school of boxing out. He had 13 points and one board in 21 minutes. Mo Wagner in 20 minutes at 13 and 7 with two threes and a steal, but fouled out as he always does in 20 minutes. He is very much the more interesting of the players to pick up. Wagner, we've seen before that he can actually make fantasy stuff happen in about 20 minutes of ball game, and they may not have a choice. At least when they go up against teams with marginally sized centers. You know, they'll they'll throw Robin Lopez out for a lot of those minutes against bigger centers, and, you know, Wagner's going to see some time. They'll probably have to play Rui Hachimura at center from time to time. I don't know that there's a guy you absolutely positively have to grab, but Wagner's the one you're watching. And now I want to talk just for a second about some of this COVID stuff, because, uh, and not that I necessarily, you know, want to defend what the NBA is doing, because that's not my intention. It's really more just recognizing that there was kind of, there wasn't really any way to plan for everything. 
You could try to plan for as many things as humanly possible, and that's a wise thing to do. You you want a game plan for different types of contact. But, for instance, when Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum hung out for where really it was like 20 seconds after the ball game, the NBA had to get together and quickly figure out, do we do anything about this? And I, you know, what I think happened is that they were like, I don't know. Let's, we need to talk to doctors. We need to figure this out. It's the middle of a weekend. They probably talked to doctors. The doctors were like, well, like, if you're going to put him in the protocol for that, you basically just have to bench the league. Because Tatum tested positive, and he was in the ball game, and there were some, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 players that played in that game. They would all have to go into the protocol. And, you know, truthfully, in real-world logistics... That's how it should be. They probably should just postpone games for teams that interacted with a COVID-positive player. But the NBA has a finite number of reschedulings they can do. They were wise to not make a second half of the season schedule to try to leave pockets open for teams to potentially make up for postponements. But if you just took... All of Boston's games this week postponed them. All the Wizards games this week postponed them because they played Boston. Sixers postponed all of those, and then whoever the hell Seth Curry was playing right before his positive test came back. And the Mavericks, the same thing. Forget who actually is truly positive on that team, but I know a bunch of them are stuck back in Denver, so they obviously played the Nuggets, so then you postpone the Nuggets. And all of a sudden, you're at five, six teams that you're just shutting down for a week. Again, in real life, if this wasn't magical basketball billion-dollar world, you probably would just shut down all six of those teams. But I don't think they really have that choice. I don't think Adam Silver can this time say, we got to just we gotta just shut down six teams. Or cancel them. Don't even postpone the games. Just cancel them. Because these owners, they need the advertising. There's too much pressure. There's too, This is a different problem altogether. But we have to take the data before us. Let us accept... Accept, A-C-C-E-F-T, E-F-T, <laughs> P is the letter. Let's, let us accept the premise that the NBA can't shut down again because the pressure, the monetary pressure is too high. Dumb though that may be, that's the current case. They don't have that option on the table. The options they have are figure out a way to get through this while postponing games, yes, but as few as humanly possible. And so that's why you got that weird Bradley Beal thing where the doctors are like, I don't know, man, we, like, we need to figure this out. Let's come up with a new plan, sit him for a game, we'll figure out if this is something we need to monitor, or if we're just like, look, don't do it anymore, guys. When the game is over, bump elbows and get the hell off the court. You know what the NBA needs to do? The NBA needs to go to every damn player right now and tell them this is not going to be a fun season for you. Get it through your heads now. Not that they're doing a bunch of things wrong. Like, I think 98% of the guys in the NBA are taking this very seriously, but they also still want to have a good time. And I'm not talking about going out. I'm just talking about enjoying what they're doing. I think everybody is going to have to accept. Everybody that's playing or coaching in the NBA this year is just going to have to accept that this year is going to suck. You go to the arena with your mask on. 
you change with your mask on, you play the game with the mask off, you sit on the bench with the mask on, and when the buzzer sounds, you walk the crap out. You don't even clean up. Go home. That's it. It's a business right now. And that's really hard, I think. I, I hope this rant doesn't feel like I'm blaming anyone. I don't think anyone's really to blame. I think the NBA is trying to figure out how to handle this on a day-by-day basis as weird new things that they sort of could see coming, but you couldn't get the exact specifics of, the, of how it all was going to shake out. So they're adjusting on the fly, trying to protect their guys, trying not to vacate the season. And then on the players' side, they're trying to follow the rules. We know these guys aren't really partying that much because teams keep winning their second game in Los Angeles or at least competing in it. Teams are playing better in Miami, so like they're they're not going out. That's not what's happening here. This virus is everywhere, man. It's almost unavoidable at this point. So you just you piece it together and you just have to accept that you're not going to have much fun this year. Just get through March. Maybe the guys will have vaccines by then and then maybe you can act a little bit different. That's it. That's where you're at. Phoenix beat Indiana. Nice little bounce back win for the Suns after blowing one in Detroit. They just, they, you know, they took their foot off the gas for one day and then they remembered how to put it back on in this ballgame. Miles Turner is incredible this year. Incredible. Did not see that coming. Figured he would just sort of plunk along at a top 50 clip and we'd all be fine with it. He's number five right now on four blocks a game. I know it's a limited sample size. I know we're only nine games into the season for him, but even nine games at a t- at a mid-first-round clip probably gives him the value you needed for the year. Uh, Jeremy Lamb was cleared to play. Uh, that'll be a slow ramp-up, at which point Justin Holiday goes probably back to the waiver wire. I don't know that I can advocate picking up Jeremy Lamb because it's going to be it's going to be a little bit before he can play normal starters minutes. Like you're probably looking at another three weeks where he's being put into slow ramp up. But if you can squat on that, he's probably going to be decent this year. I mean, Justin Holiday's getting 10 shots. So I got to figure Jeremy Lamb will see that. And then maybe another one. Cause in this ball game, they had three guys take 20 shots a piece. I don't think that's actually the balance that Indiana wanted. So uh, go grab Jeremy Lamb if you got space. You can sit on somebody who's going to give you some very small games, games cap format, weekly formats, things like that. That's where that type of thing becomes doable. Atlanta's been a mess. Bogdan Bogdanovich blew out his knee. He's out for a couple of months. Trey Young is dealing with a wrist thing, which we sort of knew something was going on there, but we weren't certain what. Uh, He's going to try to play through it. But I don't know how you can expect much from Atlanta if the guy that makes everything go is is unhealthy. And he's been horrible their last three or four games. They're just not the same team, and it's impacting everybody, except DeAndre Hunter somehow. Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter get a big bump with Bogdan out for a while. Uh, I expect Clint Capella's numbers to continue to trend up. He's playing big minutes. He's getting big rebounds, but he's sort of working his way into normal game shape. John Collins, he need all of these guys need Trey to make the thing go. So possible buy low windows on most Atlanta Hawks right now. Uh, and then who knows when Gallo's coming back. That's also kind of looming in the background. With Charlotte, I said it in a tweet storm, I owe PJ Washington an apology because I didn't think, and, and listen, like I take the stuff that's in front of me here and what looked to be happening 
It's not an excuse. I'm just going to tell you the thought process so you can see how we got to this point. What was being shown to me was that they were going to play Bismack Biombo for 30 stupid minutes a game. And every game, remember, we looked at the box score on this show and said, I don't know why Bismack Biombo is playing 30 minutes, but he's playing 30 minutes. He's chewing up all their center minutes. They're finally now giving P.J. Washington the center minutes. They said they were going to give him during the preseason, but it wasn't happening. Was it because Clint Capella, you know, he's a rim runner, he's not, but he's not a post presence. Was it because they were able to use him more safely against this type of competition, a running team? I don't know. Is he going to block six shots a game? No, he's not going to block six shots a game, but he does have pretty good defensive stat upside. He's also not going to make six for six free throws every ball game. But getting him closer to the rim is going to be good for his field goal percent, which was one of the issues that I was citing as to sort of why you couldn't really sit on P.J. Washington before. But, you know, one big ball game, he jumped himself from number 145 to number 95. He's been trending up his last three. I don't think his percentages are going to magically fix themselves, but if he's playing a lot of center minutes, his rebounds and his blocks will trend up, and that will cover for the other stuff. So he is very much an add, but while I misfired on that one because it looked like it looked like they were going to Bismarck Biombo, but they finally got their heads out of their butts. The other side of that same discussion, Miles Bridges, he remains a drop. So at least that one is uh, has has they haven't drastically changed anything there uh lamello ball triple double 22 12 and 11 he's special man I, you know you guys know i don't really pay much attention to rookies but i had the opportunity to watch a little bit of lamello ball in these basketball games i try to watch as much of these games as possible he is you know i don't know the right way to describe it i worked in minor league baseball for a really long time in my life and there were times where guys came through the minors where you could instantly hear, like you were able to use other senses besides just vision to know that guys were better. The two examples that, that jump out in my head, three examples of guys that I saw on the teams that I was working for in the minor leagues of baseball were Justin Upton, Max Scherzer, and Billy Hamilton for different reasons. With Upton, the sound of the ball hitting his bat was different. It was like a stick of TNT going off at home plate. Even on pop-ups, it was this loud pow, boom, like an explosion. And I looked around like, holy crap, and it's a pop-up to the second baseman. With Max Scherzer, it was the same kind of thing. You could close your eyes, and you could hear his fastball. Like you could hear the whistle, and then whammo, catcher's glove, pow. He was I mean, he in the minors, he was throwing, you know, 95, 96. It wasn't even as hard as he got up to the big leagues. But there was just something different. With Billy Hamilton, it was, you, I mean, you were mostly still using your vision at this point. But, like, you could look up and you could see his lead off of first base. He was like a good 17, 18 feet off the bag, and still no one could pick him off. He could walk to second base on stolen bases. And there's this same thing going on right now with LaMelo Ball, where you watch him play, and he's just... You can't use your ears because who can go to a basketball game right now? So you, you are still kind of using your eyes, so that maybe that comparison wasn't perfect. But just... I, I, I would ask all of you listening to this podcast to watch a Hornets game and watch LaMelo Ball play. He is a quarter step ahead of everyone else on the court. 
in this ballgame in particular, because there really aren't any other... Like, Trey Young is really good. He's very good, but he's not a quarter step ahead of everyone else. He's just very crafty. You know, he's, he can shoot from really far away. He's a good passer. LaMelo Ball is a quarter step ahead of everyone else. He's a little bit faster. His vision for what's about to happen on the basketball court is a little bit better. So he gets to the rebounds. He makes the passes. He can get to the rim the way that his older brother can't really. It's really exciting. He is an exciting young basketball player. And I don't, again, you guys know how I reserve praise for rookies, but he's special. And it's not just because he got a triple-double, because I was thinking about it three games back when he had like 12 and 6, and I thought, this dude is fast. He's a lot to learn in terms of how to use his gifts, but he's, uh, yeah, Hornets, Hornets got one real interesting here. Congratulations, by the way, if you drafted LaMelo Ball, because he's going to be that rookie that just blows past his numbers this year. He's already at number 60, and truthfully, he could go higher if if his field goal percent and free throw percent. I don't know where they're going to be. I really don't, because we, no, we have no real basis to go on. But assists, rebounds, things like that, like he's only trending up at this point. So enjoy it. San Antonio, Minnesota, we talked about already. Cleveland lost at Milwaukee. They were able to kind of hang in there, although Colin Sexton's still out. They needed 20-20 game out of Andre Drummond just to be competitive. Larry Nance, how fun is Larry? We've been doing the Nance dance for the first week and a half. He's number 36 in nine category leagues. And yeah, that won't last a whole year, not while Kevin Love comes back. But he's going to play. He's going to play. Giannis sat one out on the Milwaukee side. I'm, I, yeah, I know that there's like he's, he may or may not miss games here and there. This one felt like a we can win it without you kind of ball game. And Robert Portis jumped in, had 17, 11, and four steals. He's actually been quite good so far this year. I don't know how confident I am that he can actually keep this up for an entire season. He's number 72 right now with one and a half defensive stats, 54% from the field, 80 at the free throw line. There's a lot going on here that feels relatively unsustainable for Bobby in 24 minutes a game, but he's not far off. I mean, like, you know, I don't know that the one and I don't know that the one and a half defensive stats is sticking around either. The eight rebounds might. He rebounds pretty hard when he goes into basketball games. We know he doesn't mess around. Unfortunately, and in the career of my my guy, Nico. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you can pick up Bobby Portis and you can start him. Just be aware that it could fall apart at a moment's notice. doop de doop Magic at Mavericks. Trey Burke got crazy hot. Tim Hardaway Jr., same story. Maxi Kleba. He's into the, the protocols now. I mean, most of the Mavericks are in the protocol at this point. If, they're, if they played in this ballgame, that's, that's sort of who they've got left. Orlando has very little left at this point. They're going to need a lot out of Aaron Gordon. They're going to need a lot out of Vooch. Terrence Ross has hit one of his cool spells, but luckily he's still getting a ton of shots. So, the, you know, that's why I remain confident. The thing about Ross this year is that most seasons his hot runs – are top 75, and his cold runs are like top 150, top 200, so he settles out in that top 110, 120 range. This year, the heater was top 40. The cold run's going to be, you know, 115, 120, so he settles in between. Uh, Those three guys are really 
Those are the guys. And, and I, I tried to say, I hope I was clear when I talked about Cole Anthony on the podcast. He's going to play minutes. And he probably belongs on rosters because he's a starting point guard playing 32 minutes a game. But they're going to run their stuff through Gordon and Vooch. They just will. I wouldn't worry too much about the Mavs side. As long as most of their team is stuck in Denver, you can continue to trot Tim Hardaway Jr. out there and just you know catch him when he's taking a, a bunch of shots and hope that it's not one of those super cold nights. But otherwise, you know the Mavs are going to have guys coming back here soon, and then, like we already talked about, they're adding Porzingis to this one. Portland blew out Sacramento. They got a good one again. Boy, C.J. McCollum's been incredible so far this year. He's number three. He remains a whopper of a sell high. A whopper of a sell high. 21 shots a game. 28, 4, and 5. Two combined defenses at five three-pointers a game. He could very well, by the way, have an up year. But it ain't going to be this good. Nurk would have played more if it wasn't a blowout. He's coming around now. That buy low window is shut. Rob Covington... I, you know, the usage is always going to be pretty low. I'd like to see it trend up a little bit. I did enjoy the eight rebounds, four assists, uh, two three-pointers. There, It's a slow, steady, and somewhat frustrating process for Rocco, but he's now at the edge of the top 100 while still shooting 37 and change percent. So stick with it. It's on the trend. It's on the upswing. A lot of good things will come there. He, You know, he's not going to be like a top 35 guy, if that's what we were hoping for, but he'll... He'll get back near his ADP of, you know, 65 or whatever it was. So uh, hold tight there and and we'll be okay. Sacramento side, they're a mess. Rishon Holmes missed this ballgame with an ankle deal. Buddy Heald hurt his ankle in this ballgame. He's a, a very interesting buy low because he's playing big minutes generally. He didn't in this one because it was a blowout. And he's just shooting horribly. Marvin Bagley was okay. Terrible percentages. I think you have to hold there. Darren Fox, you hold Tyrese Halliburton's been solid. The Kings are, you know, I, I don't know if they're trying to get Luke Walton fired or if, like, they shouldn't have to because he's so terrible he should just be fired at this point. But uh, it seems like they're trying to... It seems like they're trying to, like, play so terrible that it happens sooner. By the way, we did ju- just get news here as, uh, as we were recording that the Dallas... New Orleans game has been postponed, and the Boston-Chicago game tomorrow has also been postponed because Boston has nobody left on their roster. They have like seven healthy guys that aren't in the protocol. The Mavs have almost nobody left. This is a good decision. Boston has a couple of deals. They're going to have to reschedule at some point. Um, I wonder if Dallas loses any more basketball games. I don't see how they had a choice. You know, they were, the Dallas had a couple situations with Kleba, the second the second one. I think with Boston, they figured, you know, they that Tatum test came back after they played a ball game, after he was around all of his teammates. So, you know, they got to wait. They basically have to postpone games for five days, see if anybody else tests positive, and then you can probably get back into it. So good decisions being made here by the NBA. At long last, they'll, they'll reschedule these games a little bit later. The... Um, Mavs were down Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, and Maxi Kleber. Um, and uh, five other Mavs had to go into contact tracing because of the Maxi Kleba stuff, I think is what's being reported. Now, this is all happening as we're on air. 
So I'm uh, I'm doing my best to try to bring this to you. The NBA is also going to be meeting with general managers to discuss the COVID protocols to see if they're working or to see if any adjustments need to be made because right now so many guys are entering contact tracing that teams are down to like four or five guys all of a sudden. So we're down a couple of basketball games. That'll uh, shave off what's happening. By the way, yet another argument for playing Roto because these games are going to get rescheduled at some point, so you're still going to get those stats. And if you have a... Ooh, boy, this would be a real interesting time to go try to trade for a Boston Celtic or a Dallas Maverick who's losing three or four games right now but is going to make them up later. Suddenly, Boston just got a really back-heavy schedule. Fantasy-wise, this is this is interesting. Did anybody play on uh, Friday that we haven't talked about yet? That's the real question here. Looking at the Friday card real fast to make sure nothing jumps out us as interesting. The Grizzlies. Grizzlies didn't play over the weekend, did they? Anybody else? No, I think it was just Memphis. Um. A little bit, little bit of stuff to talk about on the Memphis side. Not a ton. De'Anthony Melton, up to 22 minutes in their last ball game. He's on the uh, trend, the uptrend there. He had a good one, too. 14-5, steel block, two three-pointers. He belongs on rosters. He belongs on rosters. I know Tyus Jones actually had a pretty good ball game here in their win over the starless Brooklyn Nets. They put up some offensive numbers, finally. But uh, De'Anthony Melton has really interesting fantasy potential. Brandon Clark trending up. He had 21 and 8 in that ball game. That was cool. And then uh, nothing else really of interest there. Jonas Valančiūnas got yanked midway through the ball game for potential health protocol stuff, but it ended up being a false alarm. I'm guessing that means someone that he's living with. There was an inconclusive test was retested that came back positive. This is the best guess I have. And then JV was able to uh he'll be back in there for their ball game coming up. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys of our partnership with the friends over at mybookie.ag. A number of you guys hit me up about your prizes, and I was able to get a few of them to you guys. But please do that. Continue to do that. I have a few here at the beginning of the week. Again, sign up for a free account at mybookie.ag. You don't need to make a deposit or anything. You do need to verify your phone number with them. And then hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and I may have a sweet green prize for you. First few people to hit me up, those are the ones that are going to get it. First come, first serve. Again, the promo code is HOOPBALL. That's the only way you can get the prize. When you sign up at mybookie.ag, use promo code HOOPBALL, and I can get you a sweet prize to get you started over there on your sports betting journey. And for more sports betting, you have the wager pass at hoop-ball.com along with other good stuff. I know many of you guys have been able to dive in. I hope you're enjoying the Discord. I think it's just an incredible ad for HoopBall this year. Over and over, you guys were like, we need more access. We need to be able to ask questions of the pros, and so we did it. And it's in every branch. We have the DFS Discord, the Full Season Fantasy Discord, the Wagering Discord, whatever monthly membership you've got at HoopBall, whether it's the DFS Pass for $1.99 a month, the Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month, the Wager Pass, $9.99 a month, or HoopBall 360 that's got everything all rolled into one, there is a Discord for you. So if you've got one already, please bug me so I can get you an invite. We've been sending out emails 
that tell you how to get into the Discord, but a lot of you guys have been ignoring those. Don't ignore my emails from HoopBall. I'm trying to help. But if you happen to hear it here on the podcast and that is the thing that sinks in, hit me up on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com to get your join code. And if you're not a member of a monthly pass at HoopBall, go get one. Go get one. The wager pass in particular is crazy. You're getting like 20 plays a day from seven analysts for $10 a month. So it's 33 cents a day. For 20 plays, literally you're paying about 1.5 cents per pick that the analysts give out. You don't have to play all of them. That's too many. You can't play 20 plays a day. But, you know, pick one guy you like and follow him or pick a couple. Follow them all. We do basketball, football, college sports. It's all in there. It's all in there. That's $9.99 a month. That's the craziest price you will find for wagering information anywhere on the Internet. It does not get lower. It doesn't. So please do check all that stuff out. This is, this is the wave of the future. We are here with you at HoopBall. Hoop-Ball.com. Click on the premium tab on the HoopBall homepage. You can learn more about any of that stuff. Get one now and join our Discord. Come on. Come hang out with me. Come play with Dan. Let's break down Monday real fast because reverse chronological lightning round is done. Uh, New Orleans and Dallas officially postponed, so we're now down to a seven-game card, which is a shame, by the way, because I was going to fade the crap out of Dallas getting their superstar back. I love fading teams getting stars back into the mix because it always messes things up. Milwaukee, 10-point road favorite at Orlando. That's a tough one to put any money on, isn't it? Fantasy-wise, you're watching Bobby Portis and Cole Anthony. Phoenix, six and a half point road favorites at Washington. I, I think, I think Beal is back. They said he might be getting out of the COVID protocol, but definitely keep your eyes on this one because we really just don't fully know who the hell is playing. We don't know. Fantasy wise, not much there. You know, depending on who plays for Washington. Uh, Wagner is probably your one thing that is worth watching regardless of who's healthy for the Wizards. The Knicks are in Charlotte. Hornets favored by four and a half points. Charlotte's been playing really well. Knicks on a little bit of a tiny downturn after a hot run. A back-to-back after these guys played, you know, like 40 minutes the night before is asking quite a lot. Should be a good ball game, though. Fantasy-wise, any chance we see Alec Burks back? I don't think so, but that's somebody to watch on the New York side. Charlotte. Uh, P.J. Washington now playing a bunch of center minutes. He's a guy to watch in that ballgame, although you know he's, he's rostered mostly everywhere. Grizzlies are in Cleveland, little rematch game. These two teams played, I think, two games back. Still don't fully know who's in for the Cavs, but the line move. Cavaliers opened as a two-point favorite. They're now a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. 4-4 four, four to five-point line swing for the Grizzlies. We've been watching DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, as they've been trending up the Cavaliers. It's really just about who the hell's in. Sounds like maybe Sexton's still out with the line as it stands right now. Philly is at Atlanta. Little surprise, this game hasn't been postponed. But I think it's because some of these Philly guys are opting not to play. Uh, You know, Philly is a streamer side. But if you're going to stream somebody on that club, you better be paying attention. Tip time on that game is 7.30 Eastern time. So I would be locked in at 7.15 Eastern to see who's in and who's out for the 76ers, and you can make your call at that point. With the Hawks, you know, we know Bogdan's out for a while, so keep an eye on Cam Reddish, keep an eye on Kevin Herter, keep an eye on Trey Young. 
if he's really healthy enough to go. By the way, they're favored by six and a half. Hawks are in what should be a weird one. Pacers open as a four-point road favorite. It's up to five and a half now over Sacramento. The flailing Kings are catching a lot of points at home. I mean, you're at this point here. From a betting standpoint, you, you sort of wait until a team becomes a value. And I think we'll know that with Sacramento when they compete but lose. That's your key moment. You don't want a big upset because that can blow up the value. But if they stay tight and then lose, a loss and a cover is probably the best thing you could get from the Kings right now because that would be an indicator, oh, they're now a value against the spread. From a fantasy standpoint with Indiana, we'll see if Jeremy Lamb makes any kind of uh, appearances here. It would be short, if at all. Sacramento, does Rashawn Holmes play? Does Buddy Heald play? Do they... Do they look like a team again? I mean, they've been horrible their last four or five games. Really awful. And then Toronto is on a back-to-back in Portland. Blazers have been starting to pull some of the pieces together. Raptors, uh, keep an eye on Norman Powell if he's now officially in the starting lineup. I know I said he looked bad in our reverse chronological lightning round, but if he's starting, he's worth a look at the very least. And that is your Monday card. Approaching one hour of me talking to myself. You are saints, for making it all the way through this thing. Thank you to everybody that continues to listen to this podcast, continues to help it grow. As I've said a thousand times, the most couple most important things you can do, I know we have all these partners, and they're great. I love them. They, they're what allow us to keep growing at HoopBall. But the thing that makes me the happiest, the thing that keeps this podcast growing is please do subscribe to the show. And if you have a minute, drop a five-star review on the podcast. These are just extraordinary things that you can do that take 90 seconds that mean the world to me as your gracious host really would mean the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance to those that are doing it. Also, follow me on Twitter again, at Dan Vespers. And uh, thank you to everybody that reached out about the open DFS position. That is now officially filled. And so what I'll then throw into the mix is, if you want to be part of our fantasy team, the full season fantasy side, hit me up. We're always looking for people to jump on the blurbs. That's how it starts. Everybody's like, how does this work? Well, it's basically like a trainee program. You learn how to write a blurb, which is to take news, you monitor the news, the the whole Twitter sphere, all the beat writers, all the teams, all the people that have any insight, and when news breaks, you turn it into a fantasy nugget. Boom, as fast as you can. First one on the on the click. As you get good at that, you start to write articles. As you get good at that, you start to do premium. That's how it works. Hit me up if you want to jump over to the analyst side and you think you can handle it. It's not easy, but it sure is fun. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. Back at you first thing tomorrow morning. We'll see. Uh, l- let's hope we can go a day without any bad news, huh? So long, friends. This has been a hoop ball presentation.